Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Back in 2019, I made the decision to fly to Atlanta. There was a conference called the Outbound Conference, put on by some incredible thought leaders who wrote some incredible books for the sales profession, books that helped me make sales. And I thought, what a great opportunity to meet the guys behind the book. But what I took away from that conference was so much more. I built some incredible relationships with some incredible people. And one of those people is a guy that's on this podcast, the guy that I interviewed, Eddie, who made the decision himself to go to this conference to learn so that he could be the best he can be. And what's awesome about this episode is Eddie's achieved some incredible things so far in his career. He's currently working for Gartner, selling you know, into large enterprise, putting together strategic deals. But it hasn't all been rosy for him. There was actually a point earlier in his career where he really struggled and he had to pivot in order to progress. And you hear many stories of, of people struggling in, in a certain position and sometimes that struggle can break them and they exit and they make a change. They change careers, but not Eddie. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So much awesome learning from this because with what we've all experienced these last 18 months, we've experienced some incredible challenges. And what Eddie talks about is the fact that he not just experienced a challenge, but he learned from it and he built on top of it. And it's allowed him to be the sales professional he is today. And now he also mentors other sellers getting into the profession so he can help them be the best they can be. So this is going to be a great episode and one where I really want you to think of the the term reflection because I think in selling, one of the things that we often don't do enough is actually reflect on what's happened, both positive and negative and think, great, what is the learning that I can take from that experience? How can I elevate my role? How can I continue to grow and get better at what I'm doing based on the experience that I had? This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard. the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them, which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor, get to vidyard.com Sign up and start using video in your sales process. So this is an awesome episode from a guy who's out there putting deals together every single day, building relationships, putting in hours and hours of hard work to achieve the outcomes that he achieves. So you're going to enjoy this episode. There's a lot of great learning to help you be the very best you can be. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, pleasure to be on the show. Awesome, man. Thanks well, for having me, Luigi. Pretty pumped, man. I know it's been a... I was actually thinking the other day, like um, Outbound, when we when I met you, it was in Outbound 2019. So it's uh, yeah. it's quite some time ago. It has been a while, yeah. And I, I remember we were in um, Atlanta and you and I were actually walking the, walking the street a little bit, talking a little bit about Sales IQ and what that was going to look like. I also remember, you know, just 
shooting the breeze, talking a little bit about the what we were learning at Outbound. It was it was a good time. I know, man. I can, and it's funny because I feel like I lost a year because every time, yeah, Outbound was last year. I'm like, no, no, it was <laughs> nearly two years ago. But uh, mate, it was it was an awesome event. Um, obviously, Outbound's coming up again, um, which is going to be another incredible this time virtual and face to face. But you know, it's not about Outbound today. This is all about you, man. So before we get into today's topic and talk about you know teams winning championships and and how that's helped you be the best sales professional you can be. We'd love to learn a bit more about you and how you started in the world of selling. Sure, I'd be I'd be happy to tell my story. So, um, for starters, it, it was like most people, I fell into it, but it was a little bit unconventional. So, when I was in middle school, I had my guidance counselor at the time. Now he's the principal of the school. I went to Frederick Douglass Academy Three in the Bronx on 169th Street and Third Avenue. So I'm from the Boogie Down Bronx, <laughs> and um, his name was Mr. Carlos. And Mr. Carlos actually spent some time with me. Uh, at, in a program, it was it was a scholar ambassador program, and and the whole goal and objective of the program was to have me pitch to parents why they should bring their their um, children to Frederick Douglass uh, for middle school and high school. And during the process, Mr. Carlos was hearing me speak. He was hearing me interact with the parents. Saw that it was something that I genuinely enjoyed, and he noticed that to you know in, from his perspective at least that I had the gift of gab. And basically mentioned, hey, you know, would you, would you ever consider doing a career in B2B sales or just sales? And when I heard the word sales, immediately I thought retail, like, you know, Macy's yeah. or, you know, so, you know, just a retail role. Um, little did I know that it, it, it would stick with me. And, and after college, um, when I was kind of trying to decide, well, what am I really going to do with this degree? Um, I majored in business management and didn't really know what I wanted to do. So like a lot of like a lot of folks um, and my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, and we're actually getting married in a couple of weeks. Um, she was like, well, you know, you should definitely start considering where, where you're going to be leaning towards. Yep. And sure, sure enough, apply to a couple sales uh, sales roles because it was a, a lot of talking to people and working with people, which I loved. Um, and I thought about that conversation with Mr. Carlos and I landed at NCR, uh, which was my first uh, sales role. Fantastic, man. And sort of tell us a bit about that journey. I mean, um, what type of what type of accounts are you working with, size of deals, et cetera? Sure. So uh, the average, I mean, it's, first of all, I was working hospitality. Uh, so I was actually working with restaurants. And essentially, I was um, an outside sales rep. So I would be basically walking the beat. My territory was the Bronx, Washington Heights, and Harlem here in New York. And the, if, if memory serves, I remember the terminals being roughly anywhere between 20 to 40,000 uh, for anywhere between three to four terminals. Um, and it's POS. So it's the point of sale, which is where you put orders, take credit cards. Um, so it was, you know, bit of merchant processing, which I wasn't really responsible for. Those were our channel partners. Um, I was more responsible for the POS side of it. Um, what I will say is that it didn't go as well as, you know, I had intended um, in, in the outside sales role. And I struggled quite a bit. Um, Part of it was the territory. Um, I, I do recall speaking to the channel partners and they, they were working very, very closely with me uh, from the merchant processing side. And on the few opportunities that I actually was able to bring someone through the door, um, they looked at the financials and they, they just said like, look, I don't know if these people could really afford it. So it was, it was partly territory, partly, you know, just me being so green. And after a couple of role switches later, um, I actually worked the help desk. I had done some project management work for them. Um, they actually felt that because I had such a blended, uh, I guess, set of experiences between outside sales, the help desk, the actual project management, and 
the programming of the terminals that I'd be a good fit for an inside sales role. And that's where I absolutely fell in love with sales. I, yeah. I fell in love with phone sales. Um, and I was working at transactional accounts, which, I mean, it was like 1200 accounts, but every day I was on the phone making a hundred calls plus, um, working with a small team of two senior, uh, gentlemen at the time who, who were basically my mentors and guides throughout the process. And I, I a hundred percent fell in love. And then two and a half years later, um, after doing pretty decent, uh, in an inside sales role, I went to Ibis world, which is a market research yeah. firm. And that's where I, I took my love of sales. And that's where I learned how to really sell is, is how I felt the transition happened. Um, they offered a lot of professional development. Um, the chief revenue officer, uh, Kez, he, he basically wrote a huge manual on everything from sales proficiency to how you dress, how you comport yourself in a meeting. Um, it was probably the most dynamic sales training program I had ever been a part of. And thanks to that, I, in, in the tenure that I was there, I was able to achieve the top performer of the year award three times in a row. Wow. That's a pretty impressive outcome, man. And, but I think before we talk about the, the success that you had, I want to talk about that moment where you, you, you said you struggled, right? Um, where you were out mm-hmm. on the, your feet on pavement, selling to hospitality uh, venues. Talk to us a bit about that and, 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 and how did it make you feel when you were grinding through and not getting the results that you wanted? Well, it's funny because I kept thinking back to training. Um, one of the things that NCR is known for is their amazing training. Um, and, and I do recollect that we spent roughly two weeks uh, offsite actually training on how to sell it, how to position it, had a whole playbook. Um, and, and, I, and even doing a deeper dive after po- post uh, role, I remember reading that James Patterson, who was a CEO uh, back in the 1800s, was one of the first people actually quoted or acknowledged for having written a professional sales book um, and, and basically a guide for people who are trying to get, you know, break into sales and, and um, do it as a profession. And so all that to say that I had phenomenal training. And in lieu of that, I still was struggling. And I remember getting such you know, great marks and, or high marks in class. Um, everyone kept reassuring me that I was going to do really, really well. Um, they felt that I had the pitches down, that I understood how to do the objection handling, all of that. So it was very hard to reconcile between knowing that all these, you know, positive affirmations, knowing all these um, great things that I learned would eventually translate to sales, but not really seeing the results. It was very hard to reconcile that. Yeah, I was just going to say, and thanks for sharing that. So you had an incredible training process. You yep. had, you know, a team of people telling you how how well you'll go and then you went out and didn't get the outcome like if you look back and go what was the reason like did you ever define exactly what stopped you from the yeah, outcome yeah again back, back to the territory and i know you know this especially from a sales leader's perspective that's not really what you want to hear right if you've been assigned a territory you make the most of it as an ae or you know as an outside sales rep and um thinking back on it it, it was very just dis- like disparate like i remember having very you know difficult conversations around the territory and remembering that having run the, the reports and looking at what had been done historically in, in my, in my kind of, you know, side of the world, so to speak, it was very little. We, we had very little footprint. We had very little, you know, market share. Um, I remember at the time the the main competitor um, was pretty much everywhere. Um, and it was, it was extremely difficult. And the price point was just night and day different. Um, you know, I was, I was at, 
out here trying to sell the Cadillac of POSs, which, you know, <laughs> in, in fairness, it was the best in the market yeah. um, from a product standpoint. And in Manhattan, it killed. It was, it was the best point of sale system. And, and to my, in my opinion, still is. Um, what I will say is that it was partially territory. Um, and then I, I would say in terms of my own experience, I think, you know, as, as junior as I was, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of, you know, was I qualifying the right people? Was I, you know, cause, cause as far as the effort goes, I was knocking on probably 80 to hundred doors a week. So you were door knocking, um, you were doing cold. Door oh, knocking. I was door knocking. Oh yeah, man. I was in the best shape of my life. I was walking, <laughs> you know, 50 to 60 New York blocks a day. <laughs> So I want to, and, and I want to, you know, this is really cool, man, because I think for a lot of people listening, the last 15, 18 months has been really interesting, right? I think that's a really nice way to say it. Some companies have completely excelled during the pandemic. Some have really struggled and sellers have found themselves, you know, without fault of their own in environments which have been really challenging to sell through, right? So you were doing the hard work, you were doing the door knocks, you were getting out there, you knew your product was the best in market, but you weren't getting the outcome. If you could go back now, because you spoke about, you know, maybe I wasn't qualifying, maybe I, you know, wasn't asking, so you're kind of assessing. If you could go back and do that role again, do you think you would get a different outcome with those same, same accounts at same territory? If, if, we're, if the hypothesis is I'm using the experience that I have now <laughs> to be able to do that role again, then yes. Okay. Uh, because I, I did have a lot of time to think about the things that went wrong in addition to just it being the territory. Yeah. Um, and it's, and I think it's very timely considering the, the new virtual sales environment. Um, I, I, first of all, doing inside sales over the phone, that was a game changer for me, mm -hmm. right? So I, I went from outside sales, door knocking to doing it over the phone. And what I realized is that I probably should have been, do, been doing a lot of that even in my outside sales role. Prior to even, you know, doing any of the qualifications in person, you know, I could have been spending time building rapport over the phone with a lot of these folks. And even from a process standpoint, I felt like where I could have improved is, is having a systematic process in place where it kind of was a blend of both my inside sales responsibilities over the phone um, and outside territory management, which is where I feel like going, if I was to do it again, it, was, it would be a, a bit of process and a lot more virtual and social selling. Back mm -hmm. then, social wasn't as big as it is today. Yeah. Um, I really wasn't doing the LinkedIn. I wasn't really doing the uh, the social connect and, and building rapport that way. So if I had to do it again and, and you know, knowing what I know now, I think I'd, I'd have a different outcome. At least I hope so, yeah. being, you know, optimistic here. It's really, I think this is quite a powerful response from you, right? Because I think when things go wrong, and I've been in this category myself, we can sometimes find the reasons why it's not going right and we can try to deflect the blame to others it's my accounts it's the leads right. um it's the market it's the environment um because you know who likes to put the hand up and say hey it's a skill deficiency it's an experience problem and i Correct. think what I, what I loved from what you've said is that you know you realize now but you took the opportunity you moved roles and it allowed you to kind of elevate your profession and or elevate your skills to become a really great sales professional. So, you know, that experience from what I'm hearing has been a key part of your success to date. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of this, <laughs> when, when I think of this, I think of Jocko Willick, uh, Extreme Ownership, the book. 
Yep. And one of the things that I also did in tandem, you know, when I actually started at Ibis World is that I took extreme ownership of my professional development mm. and I became voracious, right? If, if I didn't have people in my immediate family or friends that look like me that could help me out, the least I could do is find everyone in the, you know, the sales or nonfiction section, the business section at Barnes and Noble back when <laughs> Barnes and Noble was, you know, the, the go-to place. Um, and I, and I basically picked up every single book I could find. I, re I remember, you know, sometimes I would almost spend, you know, half my check at the time on books, just trying to get through as many of them as I could just to be able to, you know, get to a point where I, where I could know and navigate what I was doing effectively. Um, because I, I felt like I, I, I didn't know it in, in the first row, at least not right away, not intuitively. Um, and even with all the professional development I was getting at the second role, um, I, I, there was always still room for, for growth. So that, that was, that was one of the other things that I think helped push me forward. Yeah. So, you know, that learning, that, that thirst for knowledge, um, that internal desire to find more and be better allowed you to get kind of three years running the top sales performer in your, in your company and tell us sort of when you think back, um, during those three years, what did you do differently that allowed you to achieve those outcomes? Sure. So the first year was, and, and I'll be fully honest and transparent about it. It was grueling, unrelenting, voracious appetite for making it happen. I mean, honestly, it was taking calls at midnight to speak to people in China. It was, you know, spending an insane amount of hours prospecting, connecting with people on LinkedIn, cold calling, every, every single thing that could lead to a conversion was my best friend. And, and there were periods where, you know, even my wife, you know, well, soon to be wife, um, fiance at the time was telling me like, you know, at some point you, you, you have to take care of yourself. I, and I, I'll be honest, like I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was taking care of my accounts. I was taking care of my relationships. Um, and it was, how hard can I work? How fast can I work for as long as possible? Mm. And while it gave me phenomenal results in years one and two, I, there was, it came, there came a point where I was very burnt out and I, and I, and I yeah. felt it. And then came along one of the best managers I've ever had. Shout out to Jason Falkowitz. Um, Jason actually um, started as a very young manager, but he had this uncanny ability to see through and, and, you know, he had this whole philosophy of seek to understand. Mm. Um, and his, the minute he, we actually started working together, he, he did a full audit and assessment of, you know, what is your process? How, how did you, how did you make success happen for you today? And where, where have you been sourcing this success from, right? Is it your process? Is it the conversions? What's converting best? And we went through all the Salesforce reports. We went through the, the call metrics, KPIs, everything. And what, what came back was I was probably doing 10x the level of, you know, high value activities that everyone else on the sales floor was doing, um, which was great. But then you looked at the actual transaction values and, and the averages were significantly smaller than everyone else, but it was all about volume. Mm. So when he peeled that back, he was like, look, um, and I think of this uh, phrase or this uh, motto that I had heard previously, you can fill two bowls, right? You have two bowls. You can fill a bowl with pebbles or you can fill it with boulders. 
you could you could fill both, you know, with just one or the other, or you could fill them collectively between the two, right? Mm-hmm. You can fill it with pebbles and boulders. Um, mind you, this whole you know philosophy is kind of a boulder in a in a bowl. I, I don't know, but <laughs> but all that to say is that if you can do a blend of some smaller deals with some larger deals, you could still get quota. You can still achieve. You can still do very well, but you also have to understand that it's a completely different sales cycle. It's a different type of sale altogether. Mm. And what Jason did was he said, look, you've done the transactional, you know the transactional better than anyone else. You, you know the volume game. Let's focus on making the big deals, the big relationships happen and building strong customer relationships with much larger organizations with many, many more stakeholders. Yeah. And from that point on, it wasn't about hitting the day, the the weekly, monthly, or even the quarterly, you know, quota. It was about big picture. Where do you want to be at the end of the year, and how many larger deals, those whale deals and accounts, do you have to close to get there? Mm-hmm. And Jason was very keen on making sure that that happened. And sure enough, I had the biggest sales I've ever had to date in in that role, um, and and just the biggest relationships I had ever established as a sales professional. Um, when Jason came, you know, came into play. So a lot of it was mentorship, seeking to understand, controlling what we can control. Um, and I, and I live by that philosophy, right? Big deals require big concentration, <laughs> a lot of concentration, a lot of focus, and just a completely different work ethic. And it's about working smarter, not harder. Yeah. I mean, look, there's so, look, there's so much in what you just shared with us, man. And I, I, I really appreciate that. And it, but I think one of the things that resonated for me in what you just said was that whole element of, nearly burning out, right? Because I think the reality of, of selling is that the what's possible is whatever we put our mind to, right? Um, and one of the things that stood out at Outbound in 2019 was Mike Weinberg. And, you know, the fact that he said, you know, that most available salespeople are not chasing or waiting for ops. They create them, right? Um, but I think with every positive or negative, there's a consequence. And you identified that to say, hey, I was achieving outcomes, but I nearly burnt out. And, and again, what I love about your philosophy is that you're always trying to find ways to improve um, and that I helped you identify another way to kind of achieve what you wanted to achieve, but working smarter and in a more effective way. Um, tell us, is that where the inspiration for the book, um, you know, Teams Win Championships come from? Because you spoke about the impact that your leaders had on you. Um, and you're about to release a book on the 15th of June. And just for you know, everyone that's listening, we didn't make mention earlier, but you're now working with a beast of a company, Gartner. For those that don't yeah. know Gartner, Gartner work with more of your enterprise-based organizations, right? They're, a, they're, they're more known for working with larger companies. So tell us, is that where the inspiration came from, Teams Win Championships? Uh, you're saying from the experiences? Then yes. If, if we're talking about the experiences, absolutely. Um, so thinking about the whole work smarter, not harder philosophy. Um, I, when I, when I actually started working with Jason, one of the biggest things that I started to do was lean in on the executive sponsorship. I would bring Jason in on calls. I was leveraging our senior analysts and production staff. Cause again, it was market research at the time. And I mean, I was pulling in people from every corner of the company to get these deals done. And the more people I brought in, you know, the, the easier it was to b- build these relationships and, and actually get net new clients. And having learned from that, when the opportunity presented itself from outbound to go, I met a lot of folks. Of the two folks that I met, John DiMarzio um, actually 
um, introduced me to Andy Jaffke. And I, I very vividly remember um, right before, you know, the crisis happened, 2020, you know, became this media circus. Um, John hits me up on LinkedIn. He goes, Eddie, did you see Andy's post? Like he's, he's starting this book. It's called Teams Win Championships. And he's really the, the genesis of it all. I mean, if, if, if Andy hadn't decided to do this book, it, would, it wouldn't be here today. Um, so I want to lead with that first and foremost, that Andy is kind of the, the brainchild of the book. Um, and essentially, I said, yeah, look, I, I love this philosophy of shifting the paradigm from an I-focused lone wolf sales mentality and approach to that we-focused sales process. And how can we leverage our sales leaders, our sales engineers, everyone who is competent, more competent than us in, in various facets, because we can't know it all, right? Yeah. So by making sure that we can incorporate all those different folks at different functions and divisions within the firm, you know, how can we leverage all of that political, you know, personal capital and IP into our new relationships? Um, and, you know, that, that was the premise of the book is how, how do we build an ecosystem of a we focus philosophy to sales? And, I was all in. I was 100% all in. And, um, you know, I also work in uh, in tandem with the, pro the book project. Um, and in addition to my role at Gartner, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment, um, I also am the CEO and co-founder of a company called CareerPipe. And we're basically trying to create access uh, to students and people who are coming from underrepresented and underserved communities to find B2B sales roles. And, and instead of having to fall into sales, we're actually trying to create a, or, or have created a program to train them, give them the technical and soft skills to excel and have the mentorship, the guidance and the infrastructure I didn't have when I started. So when, when, when thinking about the Teams Win Championships book, uh, uh, you know, when, when you think about the audience and who it's for, it's for people like me at 21 when I didn't know, mm. my, our, our students now at CareerPipe who wouldn't have known or maybe would have missed their, what I like to call their sales calling, if somebody hadn't been there to introduce them to it and give them some infrastructure and really build a bridge. Yeah. And that's what Teams Win Championships is. It's building a bridge for people who are thinking about sales and for the people who maybe have been in positions where, you know, they are sales leaders, but maybe have never been there before and are trying to figure it out. So that's really the audience is the folks who are trying to figure out how to really make a collective impact and, and, and really collaborate with as many people in their organization as possible. Mate, this is awesome. So you've taken the fact that you had an experience where you went out, you know, pounded the pavement and took that experience and actually now have created a process to allow people to get those skills so they don't fall into the role and, and actually experience what you experienced. But mate, I just want to know, where do you get the time? So you've got a full-time job at Gartner, you're running this academy, you're writing a book. You're about to get married. Um, you must be pretty efficient with your time, right? <laughs> I try to be. Um, I, I, I joke. I tell people I have a nine to five, a six to 10 and a passion project. Uh, <laughs> um, but a lot of it is communication with, first of all, my, my wife, who is the most important person to me. Um, we are getting married and she's been uh, very good about taking a lot of ownership for that and, and helping manage a lot of that for us. Um, and I, I just want to give her a big thank you first and foremost, because for anyone trying to grind it out and really, you know, achieve something more and, and who, who have goals, it's not easy. It is, a, it is a long and winding road. And the only thing that makes it worth it are the people that are around you. So mm -hmm. just wanted to start with that. And then um, as far as the time management piece. So I give Gardner my everything, right? Nine to five, I give it my everything. And sometimes, and even now, like 
I'm, I'm three months into the role and I was working eight to 10 some days because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't falling behind and that I was giving it my 1000%. And on the days where I could afford to maybe give career pipe, you know, my full, you know, six to 10, I would give it my full six to 10. Not to mention we have a director who's extremely skilled. So his name is Ray Patini. And then obviously Scott, who's my business partner, Scott Hanrahan. Um, so we try to delegate and try to split, you know, divide and conquer as much as we can um, within the limited time that we have. And then on Saturdays, I, I teach the students, um, which, is, which makes it a lot easier. We already have a curriculum built out. Um, it's all hands-on. And um, yeah, because it's on the weekends, it affords me a lot more flexibility. Um, and then Sundays, I'm working on the business. And on Monday through Friday, I'm working in the business. <laughs> well, mate, it certainly seems like you've got a pretty intense lifestyle. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So, mate, what, what can people expect from the book? So the, the book comes out on the 15th of June. We'll make sure that, you know, we put show notes so our, our listeners can, can find, um, you know, where the book is at. But what is the sort of the one or two key takeaways that they can expect yeah. when reading the book? First of all, for any individual contributors, people who are just starting in sales, it's an open, honest dialogue around what you can do day one to set you up for success. And it, it begins and ends with the people who are in, on your team and leveraging those relationships to yield those win-win scenarios, right? Everyone gains and wins when you, when you win a new relationship with a client. Um, and it's about knowing how to navigate and, and really find the resources that are going to get you to push that relationship forward. Um, and, and we try to be as honest about, you know, what that's looked like for each of us individually. Um, in, in a separate conversation, um, I, I had talked to someone about how, you know, we each picked an audience. Mine was individual contributors and people who maybe, again, are just new to sales. And then I had, you know, folks like, we had folks like James, who is an, a serial entrepreneur, has had two successful businesses, has, has exited twice from those businesses. John um, has a successful manufacturing firm in Canada. Um, you know, Andy is is the head of original head of sales uh, for Teradata in in Spain. Uh, Pablo's a sales engineer, and what we did was and and Matias, sorry, and Matias also um, an individual contributor has also been in, in sales leadership roles. Um, and each of us basically came at it from the same um, the same footing, which was how can we speak from our own depth of experience, our own depth of knowledge, so that it, it's not only truthful but it's things that we've put in practice that have actually worked or have not worked. Um, and so that people actually know what that experience does, those experiences have netted us individually yeah. and collectively. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it because I think, you know, you come from a, a practitioner's world, right? You're executing this stuff every day. You're, you're contributing, you're, you're hunting the bottom line and, and you're continuing to try to be the best you can be. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting into it, mate. So, um, but mate, before we sort of wrap up today's session, where can people, where can our listeners find you and engage with you? Yeah, absolutely. So please, please, please follow us on the Teams Win Championships LinkedIn page. Um, I've included it in the resources as well. Um, for anyone who is looking to hire SDRs, who's looking for junior talent, people who have at least some technical knowledge and proficiency when it comes to, you know, uh, top funnel and prospecting activities, um, you can search us uh, at careerpipe.us. Um, we're predominantly working with folks in New York and people looking for uh, remote roles. Um, but yeah, th those, those would be the two. So Teams Win Championships. Uh, we also have an Indiegogo and a Patreon page. The book is going to hit uh, Amazon on June 15th. So 
Um, all the information is going to be on the website. And one really important thing to note, all proceeds for the book are actually going to um, nonprofit organizations, um, charities. Mine in particular is going to Management Leaders of Tomorrow, MLT, which is dedicated to providing access uh, to management roles and opportunities to people of color. Um, and each of us have chosen a different charity to donate our proceeds to. So it's a completely 100% nonprofit uh, book project. Man, I love this. Mate, I love what you're about, Eddie. Um, you know, meeting you in Outbound was awesome. You know, met so many wonderful people at Outbound. And I think that's what the Outbound's all about. Appreciate you for sharing your story here on the Sales IQ podcast. I know that, you know, for many hearing from you about where you came from, the challenges that you experienced and, and that, that mindset and philosophy is going to help so many people be the best they can be, man. So I appreciate you for the contribution you make to our community. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the, on the podcast. I really appreciate it.